0: Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Too Many Captains Productions. Find us at a moviepodcast.com on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. And now, here comes a new episode of Collateral Cinema. I'm Bo Maddox, and I'm Ashley Chancellor,
1: and this is Collateral Cinema.
0: Welcome to Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters, where we focus on good movies, bad movies, and everything else in between in the world of cinema. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever you have, smoke it if you've got it, my friends.
1: Hell yes, and welcome to Anime Month once again. This is like the second season that we've done something like this, right?
0: Konnichiwa.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Konnichiwa. Uh, what, what is it? Desu. Desu. But <laughs> 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 well, yes, indeed. Yeah, we're throwing a bone to the weebs.
0: Yo, time. Mina, podcast no. <laughs> I don't know.
1: God damn it. You, you fucked that up bad. Podcast
0: no mine, no Mina.
1: Oh, my Lord. Or
0: something. I don't know.
1: Yeah, so tell us how much more of a weeb you are, Ash. Tell us how much of a ginormous weeaboo you are.
0: Uh, I'm not a weeaboo. I don't. I don't associate with that. Uh, uh,
1: yeah, right. I bullshit. Uh, I, I
0: stew that demographic because you know what? I am. I just. I just enj- happen to enjoy some anime. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. Fair es- enough.
0: Especially late '90s anime. I mean, you you really can't. Uh, you really can't go wrong there. And, I mean, that's what we're here to talk about. I like some of the more modern stuff, too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that's kind of my stopping ground. But uh, not. I, I don't support the degeneracy of the culture or subculture.
1: No, we don't condone any of that, honestly. <laughs> I'm going to say that right now. There is no reason to even touch that side of the fandom. You, you, you get me?
0: Yeah, and so if you have an anime profile picture... Uh, you are what is wrong with the internet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, look look at us. We're doing our anime month, and here we are just trashing weeaboos.
0: God For real. damn it.
1: Oh, yeah. But, but All right, weebs. I mean, we're, we're going to give, throw you a little bone, throw you a little something fun, something that I think might be actually a little more uh, accessible and universal, more or less. We're getting into our first Studio Ghibli movie. And what else would it be but Hayao Miyazaki's Princess Mononoke? I mean, it's just kind of a no-brainer other than maybe, like, My Neighbor Totoro. I mean... Yeah. But, I mean, this is your pick for the anime month, Ash.
0: Yeah, I kind of wanted to challenge myself because this is one Miyazaki film I actually haven't seen before. I mean, I've seen Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, um... But I have not seen Princess Mononoke, and this is widely regarded as uh, one of the best, if not the best, Miyazaki film. Out of everything I've seen so far, I I would have to agree with that. I mean, this is uh, actually kind of a different beast in a lot of ways. Uh, It's quite a bit more action-packed than any other Miyazaki film.
1: Arguably. I mean, unless you want to add, like, uh, Porco Rosso or Castle Cagli- uh, Cagliostro. Okay. You know, I mean, if you want to add those two. Yeah, yeah, remember, he did a Lupin movie.
0: Okay. You know? I mean, there's a lot of Miyazaki's work I really haven't uh, gotten into. I know his, uh, is it is it him or is his son that's involved in, in Elden Ring? Yeah, it's his I believe son. It's, I believe it's his son, yeah. And we're doing an episode on that on uh, Collateral Gaming actually coming up, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, didn't his son like try to make anime and he like disappointed his father or something? I don't know. I mean, Isn't is Miyazaki's son a fail son?
0: Haven't they worked together on stuff, though? Wasn't I don't there... know.
1: I, I, maybe I, I heard somewhere that he had some harsh words to say about the first uh, anime that uh, his son actually helmed. Really I kind of heard something along the line, but well, come on this this is the man who muttered the immortal words that honestly I'm afraid every anime fan needs to hear, and that's anime was a mistake. Miyazaki said that that's not coming from me. Miyazaki fucking said that so yeah okay okay,
0: <laughs> but hi I, I, um, because Miyazaki was based. he realized the he realized he foresaw the degeneracy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh he he took one look at 4chan he's like nope nope i'm retiring enough is enough
0: and he retired exactly that's that's why miyazaki's so based exactly. he realized when he needed to let go and so he did but uh not without leaving us princess mononoke and several other uh influential works known in japan as mononoke hime uh which and it actually it actually is, translates into something else because Mononoke is not a name. It's a, it's a title. It's
1: uh, I think it literally translates to
0: princess. Well, Hime does. Hime is princess. Hime yeah. is princess. I know that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But I think... Okay. Uh, I do think no, it, no, it, it's, no, it's, Mononoke, a, it's
1: a title. I know who it is. Mononoke means spirit, I believe. Spirit, yeah. Like yeah, that, princess, that's princess.
0: Uh The term Mononoke is not a name, but a Japanese word for supernatural, shape-shifting being. So, oh, you know, okay, it's okay. like saying, like, a supernatural, a shape-shifting princess. You know, uh um, and and I guess that kind of so fits. basically
1: a spirit princess, spirit princess, yeah.
0: You know, so I think, uh, uh, but even so, I mean, you, you wouldn't be wrong, I guess, for calling San Princess Mononoke. I he, uh, that's not completely incorrect. It's just it's it's not like it's not a name.
1: Yeah, in the end, I mean, her name is Son.
0: Her name you is San. That's, that's
1: really her name. She's voiced by the one and only Claire Danes from you know My So Called Life fame. Yeah. I mean, wish I'm sure you know nothing about. That's like some really uh, hardcore '90s shit right there, real '90s shit.
0: Yeah, I can say I do, but I, I was, you know, just oh, starting with overall thoughts. I mean, I this movie, this animation in particular, blew me away. I mean, there were there were points where, uh, you know, I, I wasn't even sure what to what to be marvelled at more the the plot or the the fucking the presentation of it. I mean, for a late '90s movie. Uh, in an anime movie, this looks fucking amazing, and it's all hand-drawn. Yeah, that's
1: that's what I was about to bring up. This was meticulously hand-drawn. Backgrounds, I mean, all that all that shadow work that's done in here, the yeah. shadowing, I mean, and the way that the lighting is presented.
0: It's complemented by a little bit of CG, I think, with that, like the the monster sequence at the beginning with the, yeah. the demon pig, the demon boar, whatever his name was.
1: Uh, no, no Nago.
0: Nago, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. it was Nago. and Yeah, that's actually a really, really cool opening sequence. You know, I mean, because, I mean, it pretty much establishes everything we need to know about the plot moving forward. I mean, you have Prince Ashitaka. He's a prince himself, which is interesting. He actually has a title of prince, by the way. Mm-hmm. And he gets cursed by uh, Nago and uh, the demon... The demon worms that came out of him as a result of being shot. He was shot by an iron round.
0: Yeah, and I mean, he is pretty much told at the very beginning of the movie that he's fucked. I mean, Ashitaka uh, is going to be consumed by the demon. He's going to die, and and that's set up early on. So already we're starting off with a, uh, you know, with just a really interesting story here. I mean, we're following this protagonist that. You know we're, we're even maybe telling ourselves don't get too attached because you know how is this gonna end what's gonna happen
1: well he's pretty much been stripped of everything that actually ties him to his former life because cuts of off his curse
0: the top knot you know and that's i know he's not a samurai but that's a very uh that, that's a samurai thing i believe and he puts on this mask and basically you know becomes nothing right
1: yeah he, he he's uh, he's pretty much akin to nothing like at one point, he's uh, referred to as the boy, as a boy. But after that, he's not really referred to as anything that has agency. You know, he's just kind of, he's Ashitaka, you know.
0: But that's what allows him to be the liaison between the the animal world and, and the human world, so to speak. You know, he has in this unique position, and so is son.
1: Yeah, San was actually adopted by, I think, the... Uh, the wolf's name is Maro or Moro, I believe. She's a, a wolf god goddess.
0: Yeah, the, they're all Shinto gods, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, they're all Shinto gods. Shinto gods, and she really, really believes that she's a wolf. I mean, even though it's her human form is very undeniable. I mean, Maro even calls her my ugly yet beautiful daughter. It's like, yeah, because you know, in the end, she's always going to be have the form of humanity. You know, she has humanity in her, and that's always going to make her different from Moro's other
0: cubs. I mean, that's true. and But all the same, Moro accepts her as, you know, her own. And uh, it, it's just a very interesting relationship because, you know, the, it, it still has... Uh, it's still a very bestial relationship because I know that it's, you know, Moro is a god, but at the same time, you know, still has the... Uh, The instincts of a wolf you know
1: yes and also the corporeal form of a wolf too she's very she's very much even as a god you know all these gods are very easy to wound and kill
0: this is true i noticed that even the great spirit right
1: yeah the great spirit takes a couple of rounds actually before he's felled
0: yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting that we have these you know supposed gods and you know for what we can see they're just regular animals bound by the same limitations uh obviously i suppose they're they're a bit more intelligent well what's interesting
1: about that is it's the godhood of like uh moro and nago and Otako and everything like that's it's that godhood that actually allows them to have that type of Sentience, what about know? all the
0: apes, though? Well, that's kind of interesting. The apes, apes are starting seem to have some kind of sapience, don't yeah, they? Yeah,
1: but their god was actually killed, so you're starting to see that their uh, means of communication is actually starting to deteriorate a little bit.
0: They're degrading. Bit. It's like they're becoming normal animals over time, Yeah, right? And, and they're e- they
1: even come at one point to attempt to actually eat Ashitaka because they believe that that will actually allow them to rebuild the forest cuz that's their job. They go and they they replant the trees that are destroyed by uh, the residents of Iron Town.
0: Yeah. And this is set during a particular era uh it's called the Mura something or yeah, M- Mudo-ma- Mudomachi. The Mudomachi, yeah. Mudomachi and uh isn't uh isn't Ashitaka's tribe based on a real life tribe?
1: Um, I, I don't necessarily recall what they, the name of the tribe is, but yeah, he is a member of one of Japan's original indigenous tribes. And I mean, apparently the uh, dress that they have is pretty much taken straight from this uh, indigenous people and also a lot of the customs. And, and, I, and I think that even, you know, the like the wolf demon and everything, that's kind of derivative of their mythology.
0: Yeah, it is really, really interesting. I I quite enjoy Japanese mythology and the looks that I've gotten, you know, through watching anime. This movie also incorporates a bit of Western mythology into it. A little Uh, bit. With, for instance, with San being raised by wolves. I mean, that echoes uh, the the myth of uh, Romulus and Remus. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah, but you also have to remember that in Japan, they had wolves that were indigenous to their islands as well. They have and wolf
0: wolf gods, obviously. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, look at uh, video games like Okami. That obviously is inspired by some uh, wolf mythology. I'm trying to think if I know any specific wolf gods. I, I don't yeah, think I, I do. Mean,
1: I mean, I think everybody is kind of, you know... Familiar with like you know nine tailed fox demons you know true
0: like yeah. kitsune kitsune yeah.
1: yeah I mean everybody knows that but and but wolf demons or wolf gods I mean that's kind of a different thing you know where it's I mean of course we have okami but you know maybe you can see something like that in Inuyasha yeah you know, kind yeah. of
0: Th- there must be a like a a a, a, a converging yeah and myth there that they're all referencing
1: there are specific yokai that are kind of this is based off of as well
0: yeah so but yeah i I enjoy the the way that this is presented i I believe that you know miyazaki wasn't even trying as hard to be uh time accurate as he was with the movie as he was to just tell a story and, and convey you know the themes uh that the that the plot is is wanting to convey,
1: and that's what what makes him so masterful about this type of storytelling. You know, it's because he's able to you know just take like extrapolate all these different elements of you know the history of this particular region and kind of meld them together into something that's kind of very unique, has a very different look from other anime. I mean, there, there's really not a whole lot of anime that look like this, even coming from feudal Japan. Mm-hmm. Like, like, there's not even stuff like in something like Inuyasha that looks like this.
0: You no. Know? And, I mean, it's a movie, so it has a bigger budget than a lot of the, the serialized anime that we're used to. Uh, and then that that's always a thing, but... Yeah. But yeah. Miyazaki, don't fuck around. I mean, he's, he, there's an intricate amount of, uh, of work that goes into it, and it shows...
1: Yeah, and namely the type of thematic material that he's working with. Like, first and foremost, obviously, is basically the importance of nature and the in its destruction at the hands of humanity. You know, I mean, it, this is a very environmentalist movie. I mean, this was actually kind of ahead of its time. Yeah, when it, when it comes to that,
0: I mean, you know, it's basically dances with dances with wolves before. You know, with a
1: little bit of fern gully thrown in. Right. No, I, honestly, it's way more nuanced than that.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: because the way that it's framed is that you have, okay, you have Irontown, right? Mm. I mean, and it's this uh, this model of technical prowess and progress. I mean, that, that's top-notch technology for its time. I mean, they're they're working with like early versions of firearms and whatnot. They're basically like hand cannons and and rifles and whatnot, like early uh, matchlock rifles.
0: Yeah, you know, the, the, uh, it must have been like they got it from China or something. Yeah, and and, th-
1: and they're uh, going through, and they they also have an extensive uh, iron smelting operation there. That's why they're called Iron Town, and you, you know, that's kind of what lays. Forth the foundation of the main conflict of the movie is that Lady Iboshi, like she's pretty much a venture capitalist when you get down to it, like she's pretty much like she's wanting to destroy the the forest gods in order to be able to subjugate the animals, which will allow her to strip the forests and mine more iron ore, you know?
0: Yeah. And this is what this is about uh, Muromachi period was from uh, the early 1300s to the late 1500s. So and this is kind of set late within that period. So we're talking, you know, yeah, the the 14 or 1500s here, 15th or 16th century. Right.
1: So that's kind of uh, probably close to the warring states period, maybe before that. I,
0: I'm not real big on the history, and you think I would be because I'm, I'm a huge Japanophile. I mean, I love the,
1: yeah. the culture.
0: I, I've been learning the language, but um, yeah, I think a lot, there's a lot of gaps in my knowledge of the history.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: but I, I, a lot of that's because Japan was a very secluded region. You know, between uh, the feudal, feudal era of Japan and you know more recently, you know, uh, around World War II, Japan kind of was. Uh, had faded into obscurity they were not really yeah yeah you know they they, they kind of just kept to themselves was very isolated so uh, and then this movie i think takes place uh within that sort of time frame i mean you know the, the shit that was going on that
1: yeah yeah Yeah, I mean, and there was a little bit of a warring uh, period right there, a war period. Yeah. Like like the the feudal lords, I mean, the samurai lords, they were really trying to consolidate power and everything. And, I mean, I believe it it was Nobunaga that eventually unified Japan, right? I believe Oda Nobunaga.
0: But I want to say, wouldn't this have been after the warring st- the Warring states period? It probably would have. Right? Because, I mean, you've got firearms here, and I think it was firearms that ended up causing, you know, the decline of the samurai that kind of killed the samurai, so to yeah. speak. Because you, also, you can't really fight honorably against guns.
1: But <laughs> what, what's it, what's interesting about this is that, in a way, this is kind of showing early on when firearms were really starting to kind of come into Japan, you know? Yeah. And that's and where it started to change that dynamic. Because, I mean, that's what you're kind of seeing here. And that's what Jigo, who's played by Billy Bob Thornton, I might add. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Jigo, I mean, he's really the main villain of this movie. He's the one who's actually trying to pit Irontown versus the forest gods and everything. And and, and at the same time, you have Lord Asano, who we never actually see. Mm -hmm. We have his forces that they're contending with. I mean, and... You know, it it turns into this whole like goat rodeo near the end, where you know Iron Town is being attacked while Lady Eboshi is hunting for the forest spirit, and then Ashitaka is trying to stop all this. Shit, and and isn't
0: and even Lady Eboshi is not really, uh, she's not really like demonized. She's not a particularly malevolent character. Well, she's that- representing, you know, the 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 conflict, but.
1: Yeah, that kind of goes to another th- uh, theme that Miyazaki likes to touch on is, you know, the the actual essence of what good and evil is and how it's really, really a very, very nuanced situation. There's infinite amounts of gray when it, in the world of Miyazaki, you know? Yeah. I mean, even the most evil actions that... Uh, Lady Eboshi could, you know, actually undergo, it, it's, it's all for her, the, the people that she's leading in Irontown, who all look up to her, and they, and it, it actually looks like a really cool place to live, I mean, she's liberated sex workers from, uh, you know, not but, that sex yeah. work is wrong or anything, but she liberated uh, women from forcibly being uh, put in brothels and whatnot you know and also brought their husbands on like and, i mean he, they pretty much uh, taught all of them you know to uh, work
0: i don't you know. know their attitude towards it is just you know hey we make more money doing this than we were we made more working money. in it, a brothel it, so yeah, and we can eat as much as we want so yeah it's <laughs> like yeah this is
1: a good deal for us it's like and and there's real camaraderie amongst all of them like for instance when you have uh, Kuroku and uh, toki who are really really central figures amongst the uh, the lay people of iron town yeah. You know, they they're actually almost have kind, of, kind of de facto leadership positions there.
0: I just think it's funny how all the ladies want uh, Ashitaka's dick. Oh, they got thirsty real
1: quick when he showed up, right? Those, those, <laughs> those are some lonely ass women. Like Eboshi was pretty much the only one who wasn't thirsty. Right. That, that's because she's thirsty for another type of thing. She's thirsty for power.
0: Yeah, she wants she's, to she's, rule got, the world. she's got no time for, for love or, or for or for lust. She's just... She's no, just she's, she's, to... just, she's just she's straightforward. She knows
1: what she wants, and she's going to fucking get it.
0: She's going to fucking get it.
1: Yeah, but she's actually very fair and very balanced in the way that she goes about it. I mean, like I said, Town does not seem like a bad place to actually be for that time.
0: No. I mean, you could do a lot worse, like I, just in general. I mean, you had poor health care no matter what, so...
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that they they actually had better healthcare. They like she even took lepers in and put them to work making rifles. That's true,
0: you know. Uh, so so you have you know this faction of of people that aren't also not inherently bad. You know you've got nature which isn't inherently uh, no. good or evil either.
1: And that ties back into the whole themes of nature and its conflict with humanity is how it's. Even then, yeah, nature is neither really malevolent nor is it benevolent, you know? It, it really, it, it just is very amoral and it's just going to do what it's going to do. And that's kind of what Miyazaki is pointing out a little bit.
0: Yeah. You know, cause you know, like you said, you're, you're, you're seeing, you know, both the, the, uh, the good and the bad, the, the pros and cons of technological progress, you know, you have people that are brought out of situations, you know, of, uh, that were a poorer quality of living and, but you've also see how that affects nature and, you know, what that means for humanity as nature, basically, uh, what's the word, uh,
1: Oh, uh, <laughs> takes takes its revenge. I mean, yeah, I was, I was yeah, yeah. for something else. Takes vengeance. Takes vengeance. Yeah. yeah, something
0: like that. But you know, like like nature fights back. Uh, and it does.
1: And and that curse that Ashitaka has on his arm is indicative of that. It, yeah. And That kind of shows how you know, if you allow the right conditions for an evil act to occur, that evil act will kind of cycle around back onto everybody because. You know, yeah, Ashitaka's hand is cursed. He was cursed by uh, Nago. Nago was a demon because Nago was uh, shot by an iron round. And who shot that iron round? Eboshi. Eboshi. Eboshi shot that. So, I mean, in many ways, it's all about, you know, like the conditions that lead to evil actions and how those evil actions kind of come home to roost in many ways. You know, I guess you could call it karma, Although I don't really think that's even what Miyazaki is going for there.
0: No, honestly, it, I think ultimately it just uh, it it represents how ultimately, uh, how ultimately, what, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, helpless, <laughs> yeah, humanity as it gets. I mean, it, it kind of uh, brings home the idea of the Im- impermanence of humanity. In the face of the forces of nature, just as uh, Ashitaka is helpless to uh, stop this curse, you know, and ultimately, you know, nature is what takes it away. But it's 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 at nature's whim, not his own. He's completely helpless in the face of it. And so, you know, when Ashitaka is gone, when humanity has gone, nature is still going to be there.
1: Well, I mean, in the end, then this goes back to another point of what Miyazaki was saying is that you know, we're, all, we're kind of seeing nature doing that right now in real time. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, we, we, are not a, we are not a climate change denying podcast. We know that that is definitely a looming threat. And this movie understands that. And it also shows that, you know, just as nature can be malevolent or, be, or benevolent, I don't know why I can't speak right now, but um, <laughs> uh. I mean, so can humanity, you know, towards nature. And I mean, nine times, out of mercy. Ten, nine times out of ten, it's like humanity, like nature, can win. But there's a lot of ways that uh, humanity kind of won over nature. And now that's kind of, kind of looping back on
0: well, us. Humanity upsets the balance, but basically, it's like stirring a hornet's nest. You know, yeah,
1: nature is always going to be a self-correcting thing.
0: You know exactly. So while humanity has uh, a significant influence on nature nature comes to get us in the end, you know? Yeah. It's like we can fuck up our planet, but we're going to fuck up ourselves too, and that's that's still just nature.
1: <laughs> and in the end, nature will reclaim what is uh, nature's. I mean, exactly. like, I remember there was that series, I think it was on Discovery Channel, it was called uh, After Earth, and it was really fascinating because, yeah, that's exactly what would happen if we were just gone and we weren't there to kind of maintain, you know, our infrastructure and maintain society. It's like... Eventually, nature would overtake it. Nature would hey, claim, reclaim it. Hey, Bo. And we, we live in a society. Yeah, we do live in a society. Bottom text. Bottom text. But I mean, you you see that near the end of this movie as well. It's like the yeah. the nature pretty much reclaims its its balance, you know, and it's humans that have to kind of replace that balance because remember the uh, forest uh, spirits uh, head has to be returned by human hands.
0: Right humanity has to atone humanity has to make the amends
1: yes exactly
0: and ultimately uh, i think is rewarded i think nature kind of has a, a sort of a forgiving attitude by the end it's like okay you know you've atoned for this but
1: but the but in the end it's also a very tenuous kind of balance cuz we yeah. have to remember the the forest spirit is no longer alive by the end of the movie even after reclaiming its head no i mean in many ways it didn't really die it just kind of kind of forced its essence to kind of rebuild the forest and One Fell Swoop and that just kind of wiped him out like yeah in, in the end the, the forest spirit is just kind of in the forest but it's not his forest anymore right so i mean it, it it's kind of interesting how miyazaki uh,
0: allowed that to play out in the end but you, you know, and, and despite what's happening to Ashitaka, I, I think he's uh, he's a sympathetic character. He's a character I think that um, we actually have you know some kind of feeling toward. He doesn't have any necessarily uh, extravagant details about his personality, but I mean, what we do know about him is that you know he's he's in earnest and prepossessed young man, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, he was a prince before he was cursed,
0: you know? Yeah. And ultimately he continues to try to do the right thing. I kind of like his attitude about it, you know? And what's funny is that, you know, because he's a dead man walking, he kind of doesn't care what happens to him. He's like, you know what? You want to try to kill me? Go ahead. You know,
1: in many ways, that makes him precisely the agent for that type of diplomacy. When you really think about it between nature and the humanity.
0: Yeah, he's got nothing to lose. So at least he's going to try to set things right and, and do what he can. Uh, he, he seems to kind of have this fixation with Son. Uh, there's obviously, you know, kind of an implied romance there. But at the same time, it's very subtle. It's not like in your face, uh, there's no direct uh, acceptance of that. I mean, they, they could easily be friends. It's definitely heavily implied, but... I don't know. I don't know. My <laughs> he opinion. called her beautiful, and, and there's the whole mama bird moment. Yeah. It's like her kissing him. I mean, I think it's obvious that we're, we're led to believe that, and hey, I ship it. In a time when gods walk the earth, an epic battle rages between the encroaching civilization of man and the gods of the forest the forest has been cleared and the wolves wiped out, this place will be the richest land in the world. Now, the fate of the world rests on the courage of one fearless princess.
1: I'm not afraid to die. And I would do anything to get the humans out of here.
0: And one brave warrior. Fight like a demon, boy. Like something possessed. What exactly are you here for? To see with eyes unclouded. Now, watch closely, everyone. I'm going to show you how to kill a god. Fire!
1: Honestly, might I dare, dare I say, uh-huh. it might actually be a demisexual movie.
0: This movie, uh, I guess it's demisexual as fuck, right? I mean.
1: Yeah, because in the end, I mean, they really do uh, kind of get to know each other like pretty well near near the end.
0: I don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. how old the characters are supposed to be. but I think
1: they're kind of coded maybe early to mid 20s at the very least. At the
0: youngest, like eighteen, I think. You
1: know? I, I, no, I would say youngest maybe twenty, oldest twenty-five. Okay, maybe that—that's where I would put their age ranges.
0: But I, I think I think they're fucking after this. Oh, uh, I don't know. Cue that. Cue that. Uh, the boys meme. I,
1: <laughs> I I can't fucking sexualize any of these characters like that. It's just, it's just. I get a totally different feeling from this movie about that. You That's know? fair,
0: but come on. I mean, come seriously, on, I,
1: I, I I, can't really see it. <laughs> like, I mean, please do not. I mean, I know that it probably is out there because, you know, rule 34, but it's like I have no need to see anything erotic or sexualized involving these characters. It's k- kind of the same with the characters of I, I, I have an aversion to seeing anything, like, remotely pornographic about them. So... Yeah. I kind of take that same stance with Princess Mononoke because this is a movie that has something to say, you know? It does. And, and, uh, and, and, and if you're sexualizing people, I mean, it's fine. Personally, I think that Toki is kind of adorable in her own way. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I mean, you're missing the point of the movie if that's what you're doing. This is true. Yeah. I, I mean, it,
0: it, it definitely is. This movie has a lot to say. It's well acted. I mean, this is one of the better English dubs I've ever heard. Uh, and apparently almost didn't have an English dub or, or they didn't uh, they didn't want to do it. But Miyazaki stood his ground and said, no, this movie should have. a."
1: Yeah, it should have an English dub and not just an English dub, like an English dub with some serious actors as well. I, I you think got, he, yeah. you got Billy Bob Thornton here, yeah. Minnie Driver, Billy Crudup, Claire Danes, Keith David. Uh, even like, Tara Strong shows up, actually. Yeah, Tara Strong, John DiMaggio, Bender himself, <laughs> which, by the way, he should totally get a pay raise for Futurama if they're going to reboot it. And, 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 like and, we, and we, no, Jada Pinkett Smith. Yeah, Jada Pinkett Smith as well. But, yeah, we are on John DiMaggio's side here 100%. We're with Fuck you, John. Yeah. We're 100%. You deserve a pay raise. But, yeah, this is a great dub because it's a great – it's a great ensemble cast, and that's a tradition that Ghibli would kind of continue with uh, most all of their other movies, pretty much from
0: then on. I, I think I think it was important. I think Miyazaki realized that. To be able to hear this movie in your natural language to connect with the characters was important. Although I would like to go and watch the Japanese version with with subs at some point, and you know, I I think it's worth another watch. to, To
1: I'm sure that it will add a completely different context to it. Like maybe maybe an even better context. Yeah, you know, but honestly. I like the idea of getting, like, real big-name actors because I like to think that that's kind of what helped legitimize anime as a mainstream
0: art form. That's true. I mean, they didn't use voice actors. They used, like, actual real names. And, and
1: and actors who were perfect for their roles as yeah.
0: well. Yeah, There I say, I mean, this movie actually spend a budget, and you can see it. it I mean, it, it shows.
1: For fuck's, sake, for, for fuck's sake, you got Billy Crudup. I mean, that that's Dr. Manhattan, isn't it? Yeah. That's fucking Dr. Manhattan from Watchmen. And Minnie Driver, she's from fucking Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. And, of course, Billy Bob Thornton. I mean, what can we Billy? say?
0: What else are we going to say about Billy Bob What else are we going to
1: say about motherfucking Billy Bong Thornton?
0: <laughs> Billy Bong Thornton. <laughs> right? <laughs> I want to load this bong.
1: Yeah, yeah. You go ahead and do that, buddy. You go ahead and you do that. But yeah, going back to the uh, to the animation, I think that something that really, really sells it is just the way that the characters are designed. And that really adds to just the fluidity of the animation and mm-hmm. it makes them seem actually human. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like and that's something that's very unique to Miyazaki's movies is that anytime there's any human characters in his movies, which is most of the time, it's like there's just so much life to them that you believe that they're real people. You do. Like, just, just look at everybody at Irontown. That, I mean, it really does feel like a living, breathing town with lots of good people that are working hard and believe in what they're working for, you know? Like, it, it really makes you kind of want to live there a little bit. So you know what I, like I think I don't mind working in an iron smelting or if it's that fucking laid back. I mean, shit.
0: Yeah, they look like they're they're just chilling, you know. They're they're enjoying what they do. And, and they're not and they're not left for wanting either, you know. I mean, but the characters do feel very human here. I got to agree. The characters don't seem to have those typical uh, exaggerated characteristics that you normally see in anime. That's come to define the genre. They still fit character archetypes. Yeah. But they're they're very uh, they're, they're 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 archetypes that serve the plot. You know, this very much feels like a folktale come to life, sort of. You know. It it does. You know, but also
1: one that seems like it'd still be really grounded in a historical precedent.
0: Exactly.
1: You know, like even if you take the fantastical elements, I mean, it just fits so well. Because it's, it's, so, it's such a loving tribute to that level of folklore and mythology. I mean, there are a few actual yokai that are involved here. Like, like for instance, I mean, we got to talk about the Kodama. which Kodama. Yeah, th- those are wood sprites. And the, the legend has it that if you cut down a tree, then the wood, sprites, the wood sprites will come
0: down on you and they will curse you for eternity. Fuck yeah, they will. Yeah. Don't fuck with the trees. Listen, I'm the Lorax and I speak for the trees. Don't fuck with the trees. <laughs>
1: fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no. The, the, the Lorax uh, arms himself to protect the trees. That's what he does. He, he gets the Kalishnikov.
0: I like uh, just another moment that came up. I love how uh, Ashitaka's arm just kind of it kind of works itself, oh, at least at the beginning of the film, right? It's doing its own thing. It's decapitating dudes with arrows because of demon strength.
1: Yeah, and that's <laughs> that's amazing that there's that le- much level of gore in this movie. I it's mean,
0: surprising to say the least for a it, Miyazaki film. You it's, know? Pra-
1: it's practically ninja scroll levels, it's just yeah. not as bloody. You know, that that's that's maybe the difference. It's not like there was spurting blood or anything. It's
0: not exploitative.
1: Yeah, it's it's not like Ninja Scroll or Wicked City where you're just it's just gore and violence and grew. This is no genocyber bullshit here. But it's but it does feel very, you know, realistic though. But I mean, still, this is a movie that's only like what, PG, PG thirteen? Really? No, yeah, it's not even rated Interesting. R. I don't even think it's rated R. I mean, or, or it, I might be wrong. It might be rated R. I don't know. I mean, I feel like
0: today it would definitely get a little bit of uh, a higher rating. But, and by the way, because, you know... Uh, PG-13. PG-13. Yeah.
1: Alrighty. Well, well, I mean, remember, back in the day, you know, the Indiana Jones movies had, like, motherfuckers ripping hearts out of people, decapitations and whatnot like people melting and exploding and those were PG to PG-13 movies. Those are the reason that the PG-13 mo- uh, rating was made pretty much. Yeah. It was it was for those particular movies.
0: Yeah, and this movie doesn't have uh you know there there like you said there's no real centralization to it. There's no uh it's just It is what it is, you know, and it's it's flat out. But going back, I like how Ashitaka deals with this arm that kind of uh, does its own thing, but then later on goes to control it and and handle the power.
1: Yeah, and and that's once again another thing that comes straight from Japanese folklore. It's like there are uh, certain uh, like yokai that are pretty much like black snakes that if they bite you, they will infect you with a curse. Yeah. So, I mean, that has precedent in Japanese folklore as well. But, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much supposed to be the hatred that, you know, is the undercurrent for all of these conflicts here. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, remember, I mean, Nago, when he died, I mean, he pretty much said, like, you filthy, disgusting creatures. You are all going to suffer my wrath. You'll suffer exactly like me. Like he says it in a way. It's John DiMaggio. And he says it in a way that's like really cold. It's like, yeah, oh, damn, that, that's some seething hatred right there.
0: Though There's some real talent here.
1: Oh, lots of talent, of course. Of course, as it were. But, I mean, this movie, as far as the story is concerned, I mean, I, I love the... I love of Irontown, of course, and how that plays into everything. And, and it, it kind of leads to that central conflict where it's kind of a war on, like, three fronts, in a way. Or at, yeah. least, at least two fronts. I mean, you have the uh, war with the Boers... You know, there are multiple factions at play, here. multiple factions. And I, that that's another thing that kind of goes back to what Miyazaki was saying about, you know, good and evil. Like another thing that kind of plays into that is how people draw their lines because of that. Yeah. You know, and, and this is a movie where lots of lines are fucking drawn
0: here. Yeah, this is true. You know, I was watching this too and then the one of the first things that came to mind i think even in the opening sequence is how much fun this game could be as like a like a turn-based strategy rpg like fire emblem style i yeah. don't know i could see a really dope video game that was like that
1: i i just we're seeing uh Ashitaka at the bells right now all these women are so thirsty over they're him. so look thirsty at look at them and they all have husbands you know they
0: don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck. <laughs> these women have age. These, these women all have agency. You know they they
1: and, do what they want, and, and that's because they have a real important place within the uh, inner workings of Iron Town. I, I mean they they're the ones who are not only like keeping the iron or melting. They're also like part of the defense force there. Like in Iron Town near the end, when they're battling Lord Osano's forces, everybody picks up a picks up a rifle and everything.
0: To be fair, in Japanese culture, women have often had uh, positions of authority and more agency as compared to other cultures. I mean, that's that's yeah. kind of been an undercom- un- I mean, undergoing there's, current. There's,
1: there's still some regressive elements to the culture. When Definitely. I mean, to... the idea
0: of brothels to begin with. Yeah,
1: like, of course.
0: I mean, uh, unless you've also got men in brothels. If, if you got men working brothels, too, then it's totally okay. Sex work is real work. But if you could find better work that pays better, then do it do what suits you best.
1: Exactly. But hey, some of us are quite talented in that area, so they would
0: excel in sex work, so. Bo. When's the last time you had sex?
1: Don't fucking make this about me. I'm talking about the sex workers. Oh. <laughs> Asshole.
0: Oh. God damn it. I thought I thought, okay. <laughs>
1: But anyway, I guess we can start getting into final thoughts about this movie perhaps yeah. yeah I mean I this is one of my favorite anime movies of all time right here. I mean, I've I've told a lot of good stories about you know watching anime with my family and with my friends and whatnot but this one I mean I remember first watching this with my brother We were just chilling out in my uh, I, I don't know I don't remember where we at in my mom's room or whatever and this came on. And this was early on when we were really discovering anime. We were really like just kind of getting into the culture a little bit. And mm-hmm. this was a real touchstone because this was, other than Akira, this was a, like the second movie that I saw that I was just like, oh, this is high art. You know. It is.
0: You know, anybody could watch this, and it because it doesn't uh, abuse a lot of the anime tropes, I think it's a very accessible film. Yeah,
1: it's probably the least anime, anime movie I've ever seen, when you yeah. really get down to
0: it. I, I mean, Miyazaki films kind of come off that way, despite the fact that they're highly influential to anime.
1: Very <laughs> much so. Like I said, he did a Lupin the Third movie, and might I ask the greatest Lupin the Third movie, Castle of Cagliostro. Yeah. It's also one of Miyazaki's greatest greatest movies. So, I mean, this is a man that has made, like, Porco Rosso and My Neighbor Totoro, And, you know, Studio Ghibli, they've had, like, immensely important works. Like, like for instance, I have Grave of the Fireflies right here. That's another very important... I think Ghibli released it. I don't know. Uh, No, this is from Sentai Filmworks, actually. But this is a very Ghibli-ish work right Looks here. Looks like it, yeah. Yeah, it, it has... It's a very disturbing movie as well. Very sad.
0: No, this, this kind of makes me want to. Uh, this kind of makes me want to play like a like a JRPG or something. I know, right? There are some pretty uh, Ghibli-ish uh, JRPGs out there.
1: Yeah, I, I would like to say that maybe Princess Mononoke may have had a little bit of influence on JRPGs at that time. Definitely. Because, I mean, when this movie came out, I mean, you can kind of see certain anime or, or certain JRPGs actually try to cop this style. You know, this you know kind of nondescript uh, specific period in Japanese history yeah. and, the, and the different types of uh, folkloric monsters and yokai and whatnot that surrounds that.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I like to think I, I don't remember if this came out before Inuyasha, but you know, I mean, th- this kind of it, it feels like Inuyasha, but without all the real anime tropey stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, you got like demons, you got the fucking, you know, the romance and everything. Well, the, the well, this one's more demisexual than Kagome Inuyasha. But- it really
0: is. I mean, Ashitaka doesn't give a fuck about these other women. I mean, me, if a bunch of thirsty middle-aged women were coming after me, I'd say, fuck yeah. Uh-huh. Let, I, I get the pick of any woman in this village I fucking want, or all of them at once. But Come Ashit- on,
1: let's go! But Ashitaka, he pretty much is just like, you know what?
0: San is... What but is that's true. That? I can identify you know? with that, too. You know I simp pretty hard. <laughs> it's
1: different than simping, bro. It's. it's I
0: different. call it simping, but you yeah, know, it's, it's very it's different. Liking someone, having this emotional connection, and... And wanting them, I mean, that's, that's something I understand, definitely.
1: Even then, it's, it's fucking different, bro.
0: Yes, don't give me that look.
1: Don't give me that look at all. Don't make me, don't make me start making accusations of ace phobia. <laughs>
0: when, I, when I simp, I simp hard.
1: Well, if I ever come to Jesus, I come all the way.
0: I come all the way. <laughs> but,
1: Asha, what are your thoughts on this movie?
0: It's a damn near perfect film. It's it's honestly a lot of fun. I think I would recommend this. It's Just a, everybody needs to see this movie. Yeah, honestly, definitely. you know it it's it, it, it's it's great. I mean, it, it, I don't care if you like or dislike anime. Uh, just watch this film uh, for what it is, you know, as a standalone film because it's it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, right on. So, re- so real quick, uh, favorite character and favorite scenes. Like what? What? What do you think? Um, hmm. I think Son is my favorite character. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right I on.
0: like her quite a bit. Right? Why is that? Uh, she just has a. Uh, if I feel like we've used this word a lot, but she has she has her own sense of agency. She does whatever she, you know. She does what she wants, but she also has uh, a voice of reason. She's a character that continually surprises you, but
1: also she's a character who is just very much like Ashitaka in that she's caught in this weird kind of limbo as far as her identity is concerned. You know, yeah, like she is neither wolf nor human at that point. You know, you know, she she's, yeah, she doesn't fit in either world. No, and not at all. Ashitaka brings that point up. And Ashitaka, he's pretty much been forced into that. Like, he has no actual like home or family to
0: speak of. That's like, why they're kindred spirits, you know. And then, you know, yeah, he the, tells her that uh, that uh, you know that he, that he wants to, to he 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 would. He would live with her the rest of his life, you know, and yeah, uh, they they ultimately end up going their own separate paths. But he says that you know he's going to come visit her, and you have the idea that I, I don't you know, I don't
1: think that's necessarily a separate path because they're pretty much going to be like right next to each other. Yeah, like she's pretty much just
0: going to be in the adjacent. They're forest. just not moving in together yet. Small steps.
1: Yeah, small steps. Yeah, De- th- those are demi goals right there. demisexual goals. <laughs> small steps.
0: So I, I don't stuff. think you should wait until marriage to uh, to live with someone, though. That's that's kind of ridiculous. You you yeah. have to get to know who someone is before you yeah, pledge your life to them.
1: But that, that's true. That's true. But, but you th- don't have to
0: start living together right away.
1: Yeah, but how about favorite scene from the movie?
0: Favorite scene?
1: Um, hmm. <laughs> You have to actually think about that. There's a lot of great moments in this movie, though. There really is.
0: I kind of just like the opening scene, to be honest. I mean, it's
1: It's quite possibly one of the best opening scenes of any anime movie, period. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, you, you get to... You kind of get the... Feel of the setting, like uh, you're introduced to Ashitaka and his place in his little neck of the woods, and, and it's everything. Just so
0: well animated, and, and they, they, they just, really had to make it. They had to make it land, so they put a lot of effort into the. Just the yeah,
1: opening, you know? but but I mean, they actually really injected high stakes just into that scene alone. I mean, mm-hmm. just because I mean they know that I mean anybody that touches the the Black Death, I mean they're they're, they're done for. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, they they know this. But, I mean, even then, even even though Nago attacks them and even though he's demonified and everything, like, you notice that, you know, the old wise lady, she still tries to do funeral rites for him. It's like, we will do burial rites for you. Please do not hate us. Please do not curse us. But, of course, that doesn't necessarily work 100%, you know, as we see. But, yeah, that, that intro scene is really, really cool. I, I really like that. Honestly, my favorite scenes are pretty much anything in Irontown when they're just kind of interacting with the people that live there. I mean it's 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 a, it feels like just a real breathing entity all its own. Mm-hmm. And everybody in that within that entity kind of, you know, has their role there. You know, like I said, even even the lepers have a place there.
0: Yeah, you know? exactly. Everybody contributes.
1: Everybody contributes, and Boshi seems to be very fair. I mean, she's by no means like a good person. I mean, she's still a rapacious capitalist. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, she she wants to get more ore to you know keep the money coming into to Iron Town so that they can live something sembling, uh, some semblance of a decent life. You know, like what they're living. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you would have to you'd have to imagine that the pressures are pretty heavy on her, you know, but but she takes it with stride. She takes it with some poise. I mean, she she is an excellent leader. I mean, yeah, she is. I mean, you really can't fault her for doing what she's doing. Is it necessarily good what she's doing? No, not at all.
0: In right. fact, and, and
1: she pays for it in the end, kind of yeah she loses a limb and Irontown ends up pretty much getting uh, waylaid by the nightwalker and, and whatnot. And not, not to mention being attacked by uh, Lord Asano mm-hmm. and everything but which happened because she went out to find and hunt the forest Spirit which she had this almost single-minded kind of drive to do so. You and know?
0: for that, you know she paid the price of her ambition, what she worked hard for, crumbling.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's like that ambition. She wanted to rule the world, and all it took was killing a god to kind of make all that just topple down. You know, yeah. that's all it took—one shot at a at decapitating a god. You know, who to thunk, right? right. <laughs> who who to thunk? The deicide would probably not be a good idea <laughs> for the. Uh, the trajectory of your town.
0: What are you talking about? Deosite is based.
1: Oh, Deosite is very based. Based as fuck. I'm just trying to thinking pragmatically
0: here because <laughs> that's
1: really what's at the core of Princess Mononoke. This is an incredibly pragmatic film. I mean, I like to think that Miyazaki likes to put a strong philosophic core to most all of his movies. Like, uh, Nausicaa is very much kind of a Marxist movie. I mean, yeah. you can argue that Ponyo is... I mean, I wouldn't say utilitarian. I'm, I'm not really sure what the philosophy there is. But here, this is very much like a, uh, it's, it's very much prag- pragmatic. You know, it's trying to take the entire, the entire big picture into consideration and the different nuances that, you know, make that big picture complicated. Yeah, and, 100%. And this, is, and this is a complicated big picture here in this movie. Very complicated.
0: I I, I enjoy hey, the the nuances of the plot, you know, and I, I, I like how uh intricate it is. I like how uh there there doesn't really seem to be uh a very uh binary
1: yeah, measure
0: of of
1: uh of good or evil. Yeah, or there's no of,
0: duality there. There's it it's a spectrum, it's all morally gray, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, in many ways you can tell that, you know, nature in the forest, they recognize that, you know, and they act accordingly. So, I mean, I don't know, what more more can we really
0: say about this movie? I think this movie is ethical consumption under capitalism. It's very
1: unethical, very ethical, and I would argue maybe slightly vegan. (laughs) It's totally vegan, bro It's all for the animals It's all for, you know, the balance of nature And for allowing animals to live freely And not be subjugated and exploited by by each other Except by each other, but that's a whole other issue That's what happens when, you know They have that line of reasoning You know that
0: animals aren't vegan, Bo.
1: I know animals aren't vegan, that's not the point Human beings can be vegan That's the point, they can choose to do so
0: can also not be and enjoy their lives.
1: Oh, whatever, <laughs> fucking, on, fucking me, I swear to God. Just kidding. But but anyway, yeah. I mean, that's our final thoughts on Prince's Mononoke. Uh, I guess we'll go ahead and get into our promos and everything and plugs. Uh, what's going on with Collateral Gaming, Ash?
0: All right. Well, uh, hopefully by the time this is out, I should we should finally have gotten. Our fucking Mario and Luigi episode out. Just uh, life's kind of throwing out everything. It's hard to it's hard to schedule <laughs> things together. But yeah, uh, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga is the most recent thing we released, and then we are doing Horizon Zero Dawn and a spoiler-free review of Horizon Forbidding West. So that's going to be kind of our our February. Uh, event. Uh, we're also going to be doing a crossover episode with Collateral Cinema this month. Uh, we're going to be doing the Uncharted movie, so that's going to be a lot of fun.
1: That's interesting. I mean, I was never really a fan of the Uncharted games. To be honest, I've never played any of them. Well, that's so why you're
0: not a fan of them. If you played them, you'd be a fan of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, but I mean, I, I guess that this movie will be interesting to
0: watch. It's yeah. like,
1: I, I don't have that much of a dog in the fight. Or in the game, or whatever. I think
0: but. that's kind of the perfect way to approach it.
1: Yeah, probably. You know? Like, I mean, may, may, maybe it's best to just kind of judge the movie on its cinematic merits and not so much how it relates to the game.
0: How bad can it be? It's got Antonio Banderas
1: and Tom Holland.
0: And Tom Holland. Which that's kind of the point of contention, I think, for a lot of people is people think that Tom Holland is like this character that's just put into these roles. But I don't know. I think he actually works. Uh, His quippy nature as uh, Peter Parker, I think, is is actually right up Drake's alley. You know, you're just kind of maturing him a little bit.
1: I don't know. I think that Tom Holland is just a British Michael Cera. <laughs> that's all that he is. So. He is
0: not. He's, a, he's 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 quite a bit different than that. I mean, he's <laughs> got that awkward nature to him, but he's also he's also quick on his on his tongue, you know.
1: Yeah. And we may as well announce that we're going to do uh Multiverse of Madness. I mean, that's pretty much a given.
0: Yeah, as mentioned before, Elden Ring uh, is going to be something we're going to be talking about uh, probably the beginning of March. Uh, but we are going to be doing a live stream with Megan's brother Agony, uh, who guested on our our uh, Dead Space episode. So uh, we're going to be collaborating with him and doing like a live stream event. here. he he's going to be doing it. We're going to help out uh, for de- uh, for Elden Ring the day it comes out. I've already asked off for work. So nice. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I also want to talk about Pokemon Legends Arceus. Uh, if you're looking for you know just this this same kind of vibe that game kind of has it it's a pokemon game set in like a uh, a very uh historical japanese setting it's it's actually really interesting i'm enjoying the hell out of it also dying light 2 i kind of want to get some uh spoiler free game launch episodes out uh within this month that's the plan
1: yeah definitely but that's that sounds awesome
0: yeah so we've got a lot on the our plate but at the same time i mean a lot of it's kind of overdue so (laughs) yeah
1: definitely (laughs) As far as collateral cinema, uh, the director's cut has a commentary out, and that's actually what kicked off our anime month. And that's Demon City Shinjuku. That's uh, made by the same creator who made Wicked City and Ninja Scrolls. So uh, check that out. There should be a link to the movie if you want to watch along with us on another device or whatever. Or if you have the DVD or a Blu-ray of it or whatever, yeah, cue it up and watch it with us. Um, when, Just so you know, we also have uh, our Ninja Scroll commentary. That's somewhere uh, down in our back catalog of episodes. And our next anime movie that we're doing is like, oh yeah, we're getting into the real funky stuff. We're going to be carrying that weight, so Hell to speak. yeah. That's right. We are doing Cowboy Bebop, the movie.
0: Fuck yeah, I'm really excited. I love Cowboy Bebop to death. This season, in preparation for this episode, uh, and in preparation for wanting to to talk about the live-action series, uh, I kind of just consumed everything Cowboy Bebop. Uh, by the way, we're also doing a director's cut episode that's going to be focusing on Cowboy Bebop. So st- yeah, stay tuned for that. As we're well. going to go
1: ahead and go over the anime series, even though I kind of feel like Cowboy Bebop, in and of itself, deserves a podcast uh, mini series all of its own. Yeah, just to kind of talk about each episode. That would be cool. That would be cool because there's a lot to really get into when it comes to Cowboy Bebop, I and mean, there's there's a lot of reasons why the live action series kind of was a huge misstep in my opinion i mean if you've watched the original series i mean what else is there to say i mean i don't think that there's any way to really you know make it better
0: i think that was maybe the problem is that you're always gonna you're gonna compare it to the anime i never expected it to be better than the anime i always knew i was gonna prefer the anime and i I didn't live action did i thought they casted the characters perfectly but i mean we'll talk about that
1: yeah, they cast them perfectly, but they didn't really direct them quite rather well. That's uh, that's my opinion there more or less. Yeah. But we're also going to talk about the actual series as well. And and we'll talk about the live action series a little bit. And I, I would like to get my brother on that episode. He's another Cowboy Bebop aficionado, so yeah, we're we're going to be getting into like quite possibly one of the best anime of all time. Agreed. It really is. So, yeah, definitely look for that. Uh, Ash, where can you find Collateral Gaming and Collateral Cinema?
0: Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. I don't know. Should we remove our stuff off Spotify or not? I
1: don't know. Let's see if Joe Rogan acts like an idiot any more further. <laughs> you know, I like For
0: now, it. we're everywhere you get your podcasts. So, um, We'll we'll see. Uh, Wherever you're listening to it right now, you big dummy. And uh, also (laughs) check us out on uh, Podchaser.
1: Yeah, definitely on Podchaser. And also look for us on Good Pods. Uh, Follow us there. uh, Check out our feed. Uh, We have a group there as well. It's Collateral Media Group. Uh, Look for that on Good Pods. And, yeah, give us a rating and help us get on the charts. We've actually been kind of going up and down on the charts a little bit. Like, last I checked, we were back into the top 50 of the – uh, indie film reviews and uh, the main film reviews charts. We're, so
0: We're about to hit 10,000 downloads as yes. of the recording of this. Yes, so. we,
1: we are close to 300 downloads away from 10,000. Fuck we are, yeah. We are very excited. I don't know if we're going to make it to the end of the season. I don't know if we're going to break it before then. But hopefully we still have a lot of episodes left to release. I mean, and we also have some more director's cut content to release. We have... Of course, our 420 episode will be coming up. And in March, we're also going to go in and release our Versary episode. And that's going to be on probably one of the last uh, really disturbing movies that we're going to cover from Takashi Mike, And that is Imprint, which was his Masters of Horror episode that was banned from Showtime. Yeah. And, and when we watch it, you'll see why. You'll be like, oh, yeah, that just happened
0: exactly like yeah
1: all of that just fucking happened and billy drago was somehow involved in all of it and 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 there and all the uh all the geisha prostitutes are speaking like very stereotypically broken english (laughs) it's not really broken english it's just really bad accents it's like i don't know it's it's the first time that mikay actually did an english language film so results may vary (laughs) kind of there But, yeah, we're definitely looking forward to that. And, yeah, we're doing Evil Bong on the 420 episode. That's going to be a lot of fun. I believe we're going to have the Hush Hush Conspiracy podcast. That's a podcast that kind of, you know, they they take a little uh, humorous look at conspiracy theories and whatnot. So, yeah, they'll, uh, they'll be joining us for that. I think uh, the St. Paul film cast will be joining us for So I Married an Axe Murderer, as well as someone who's been on our podcast before, uh, Megan Price. Yeah. Yeah, she was on our uh, Princess Bride episode, our season finale for season three, right?
0: Yeah, I think, I think so. I think it was. No, season two, I no, think. No, it was
1: season two. Yeah, that's right. It was season two. Right on. And yeah, we'll have her on. And yeah, on the the, on the Cowboy Bebop episode, we're going to have the retro anime podcast. So, yeah, look for that as well. And I guess that's pretty much all that I have to plug. I don't know if you have anything further. I guess we can go and plug Texas Sundown as well.
0: Yeah, Robert's not here. Uh, We were going to have Chaz on this episode as well. Also, uh, I, I just want to say something for Chaz. I think that that this movie influenced a generation.
1: It, it truly influenced a entire generation 100% yeah. i mean it it is just a genre and generation defining work it, it defines a generation it defines a zeitgeist bottom it, fucking bottom text bottom fucking text yeah <laughs> we are truly in a society it's like you don't you hate society but you live in a society curious curious <laughs> But you know what? Screw it, I guess. Check out Texas Sundown. It'll be coming out very, very soon. Robert uh, is not here, of course, to talk about it. Robert, because he fell asleep during the movie, like a doofus.
0: (laughs) Fucking Robert.
1: (laughs) Fucking Robert.
0: Robert, get some damn sleep before you record.
1: Yeah, come on, man. That's why we drink energy drinks before we do this. (laughs) It's like, come on now. But yeah, I guess with all that said... I'm
0: Bo-Maddox.
1: And this was Collateral Cinema. And, And yeah, I agree with Miyazaki. Anime was a fucking mistake. Anime was a fucking mistake. Go look on Anime Circle Jerk. It was a mistake. Laters, ladies and gentlemen.